we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. We want them talking trash to Goliath. We want them building a boat and collecting animals. Everybody thinks they're crazy, and they are. I'm your huckleberry. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Behold, a pale horse. The man who sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. Can you read, my son? Well, that depends. Can you go fight in the shade? Repent or perish. You know your places. God be with you all. All for all and one for one, then, I guess. Stone Mountain Media. Ale to the King. Welcome back to another episode of Stone Mountain Media. This is Dave, and I'm joined today on a Sunday uh, by Aaron Daggs. Uh, Aaron Daggs, member of the church, uh, family man up in Idaho. Mm -hmm. Yes, and uh, Aaron, welcome. Glad to be here. And I uh, want to talk to you some about history, and particularly particularly the history of banking in America. Yeah, so, real simple. Real simple. To set the, uh, set the environment, we're obviously smoking stogies and drinking fine Pilsner beer uh, to really try to give off that banker vibe. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you could walk me through the history of banking in America... Uh, and in my mind, you know, matching that around the contours of um, Washington, mm -hmm. Lincoln, and Roosevelt. Definitely. Go. Yep. So banking, as many people know, is pretty confusing. And the system we have in place today uh, can, is arguably purposely confusing. Uh, not too many people can articulate anything about it. Uh, much less anything about its history uh, besides that, you know, it's Hamilton's brainchild um, in the sense that, you know, he was the founding father that wanted it, that pushed for it. Him and a bunch of uh, Federalists, you have the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. Um, and at the Constitutional Convention, uh, the National Bank was discussed, right? And it was purposely not put in uh, because there was no agreement on it. It was hard to get the anti-federalists on board with that, the smaller states on board, because of just the immense power that something like that brings. Why did Hamilton want uh, <clears throat> a, a national bank, central bank? Uh, so his arguments were basically um, that it was necessary. So he used the uh, good and necessary clause. Uh, I believe, I could get this wrong, I think it's section one. Um, uh, I, I don't know the exact spot, but basically it's saying it lays out the duties um, of the federal government and said in anything that's necessary to bring about these means. Right. So his argument was basically that it was necessary to collect taxes, to pay off debts, um, that sort of thing. It's like a Presbyterian reading of the Bible. You yeah. Know, the good and necessary. Consequence. Yeah. Good and necessary yeah. consequence. Right. Not much different than the Westminster, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Westminster. Right. But the problem with that is what Jefferson points out. Right. And a lot of the anti-federalists points out. Um, when you get into that kind of realm, right, good and necessary can mean anything, though, right? So not only was this specifically talked about and denied, 
right, during the Constitutional Convention. Uh, but now you have a guy coming in a couple years later, George Washington is president at this point, saying fighting for a national bank, saying that it's, it's not because they have the right to do it. He would admit that they don't have the right to do it, but that it's necessary for the country to perform its duties to have a central bank, to have a national bank. What, what was the, the norm for banking at the time? Well, um, so he would point to like England. England kind of had that central bank system. Um, a lot of these bigger powers like France, right? They had this big banking system. Um, and that was kind of what Hamilton was trying what did, to get. What did he the, want to be able to do with it? So it, it's basically, he'd argue like to collect taxes, right? Um, uh, it's hard to tell like currency, I don't think was necessarily in his purview of what, you know, the biggest thing that they'd be able to do, but that was definitely what, you know, it turned into, um, but that, that was what other countries were using it for. And he would point to like England, right? And how they're able to finance wars so easily because they have the, the power of the press. They have the power of the central bank, right? Because at that, and like Jefferson points out, you basically have one of the most powerful institutions because you can control money, you can control banking. And what is money? Money is literally our energy concentrated into something that we can trade, right? And if I can't trade- Explain you, that. Yeah, so money is, all money is, right? is I'm gonna take my work, my energy, my output, and turn it into something that I can trade with you and we can agree on, right? That's all money is, right? It's, it's a conservation of energy. Like, you, you're, yeah, you're quantifying sweat equity. Exactly, right? So if I go, like you guys with junk removal, right? If I go, um, you know, take down a barn for you or a shed, right? I'm expelling a certain amount of energy, right? And I think this energy is worth this much dollars, right? We denominate dollars. So I'm gonna ask that much dollars. And so now I have that amount of work in a piece of paper that I can then go trade and for another person's work, right? So I need a laptop or something, I can trade for that, right? So it's, that's all our money is. And so if you think, if you can control that, you control everybody's energy, you control everybody, what they own, what they can do, how they can move. You control every, every man if you have a central bank. <clears throat> exactly, right? So, uh, and Jefferson pointed that out, right? There's tons of quotes. What, did we have state banks at the time? What, what was the deal? So um, at the time, it's very... It's before the central bank, you do have state banks. Like um, run by Virginia or run, run, just... So you have state chartered banks, right? Okay. So they're private banks, but they're chartered by the state. Okay. Uh, but they're more on the private side. And Thomas Jefferson would have pointed that's like a 10th Amendment, right? It's delegated to the states. Um, there's no central currency technically at the, at the time, right? Uh, at least not in what we have it today, right? There's but coins. See, and, that is not as big of a deal then... Because the central currency really is gold, silver, and if you if you've got a valid note that's backed by gold, it's just as good as another valid note backed by the same thing. Exactly, and and what and what uh, what, what they what they pointed out, what the Federalists pointed out, which is a, a fair assessment of banks, right? Is if you have a t all these different banks, all these different currencies, things can get convoluted, and all a bank note is is a promise. It's an IOU. And it turns out that people kind of default on those pretty often, right? Um, so banks in general, like a lot of like these, the federalists probably wouldn't like in general, right? Uh, banks are really a product of an industrialized uh, society, right? Even if Jefferson again pointed that out, saying like this really benefits New York, right? In their industrious economy, that's you know it was just booming in late seventeen hundreds, early eighteen hundreds, really benefits them and makes it super easy for them, convenience. Uh, but agrarian societies, it's completely damaging to them, right? It, it it really doesn't help them in any 
in any significant way, right? There's more chance of that hurting them really than the convenience. The convenience doesn't outweigh it. And that's what Jefferson said when he, so basically to kind of get back is that it gets passed in Congress, the national bank gets to George Washington's desks desk, right? George Washington asked Thomas Jefferson and I believe Edmund, Edmund Rudolph, <clears throat> another guy in his cabinet and Alexander Hamilton to write what they think on the constitutionality of it. Edmund Rudolph and, uh, and Thomas Jefferson say it's unconstitutional. It's completely unconstitutional. Of course, Alexander Hamilton thinks it's not for reasons we just talked about. Thinks so. Yeah. <clears throat> He's a liberal. Well, basically, he would admit that it's unconstitutional. But, hey, it's necessary, dude. Come yeah, on. Screw that guy. How we get, it's just, and uh, but Rudolph is like, yeah, it'd be convenient, right? And Thomas Jefferson is like, absolutely not, right? This, in you know, there's plenty of quotes. He's like, these banks will deprive our children. They'll be homeless, right? Infl- first by inflation, then by deflation. Yeah, what, can you, can you, do you have that quote on the top of your head? Um, I don't. I can pull it up real quick. Yeah. But How long uh, would it take? Like two seconds two seconds okay so we got a situation where while you're pulling it up Mm -hmm. uh shockingly from the drop you have uh unconstitutional bills being put before presidents and the question of power and convenience and fast wealth in competition with righteous principle constitutional order Mm -hmm. words meaning something from the go, that, that conflict we see today at an expanded level was already raging in America. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so just that quote <clears throat> to kind of give you a sense of where... That was fast. That was two seconds. Yeah. Where Thomas Jefferson was, right, is he, he, he made this argument, says, this is Thomas Jefferson, if the American people ever allow private banks to control the issue of their currency, first by inflation, then by deflation, the banks and corporations that will grow up around them will deprive the people of all property until their children wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. I believe that banking institutions are more dangerous to our liberties than standing armies. And now we've got all-powerful banks and standing armies. Exactly. So now you got both. Yeah. And we and you got guns at both ends of the And <laughs> yeah, exactly. And all of the sons of the fathers are homeless because the banks own everything. Mm-hmm. And not even just uh, BlackRock you know, yeah. nakedly taking money from the Fed, which we'll get into, or get into the Fed, mm-hmm. but nakedly taking money from the Fed and buying up hundreds of thousands of acres, but just run-of-the-mill banks owning owning your property that you think you own, mm-hmm. called a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Which they can call back at almost any time. Yeah. Right. Okay, so Jefferson makes that argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hamilton disagrees with him. Did Washington give any kind of explanation as to his reasons for signing into law, into existence, this this bill? Yeah, from what I can tell, um, Washington signed it into law. uh, So, like I said, Edmund Rudolph was saying it's not constitutional, it's convenient, right? And so Thomas Jefferson would later say, say like, okay, well, now we're not operating off of what's good and necessary. We're operating on what's convenient, right? Because central bank is convenient. It's extremely convenient. But what you're giving up in the way of – so you get convenience. What you're giving up is something that's real and hard, like something that is not centrally controlled, right, in the central in the uh, federal government. And you're giving up this the freedom of the states, right? So a lot of people today, like I think we talk about – we live in Lincoln's America. You know, peace be upon him. Um, <laughs> uh, where we think of ourselves as one nation. Yeah. We're one nation, guys. One nation. Under God. Exactly. Indivisible. <laughs> a Indivisible. More, a more perfect union, guys. Come on. I, I'm, li- I'm 
Virginia literally seceded. What are you talking about? Indivisible. We're we're only in the quote unquote nation because you raped and pillaged yeah. and invaded. It's very divisible. Have you seen the lines on the map? It's already divided. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so the, the, there's that that whole sense of now it's not individual states. It's one nation, right? Which they which they're like, hey guys, we just left this because feds now control the money. They now control the money. You control the money. You control everything, right? But this is a pre-fed. This is pre-fed. Pre-fed central bank. Mm-hmm. So when we get to the Fed, I'd like to hear some of the differences, but, you know, mm-hmm. but as it's a basically, preview. yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. So yeah. the national bank at this point, there's still no full currency, like the currency of the United States. There's still a lot of use of gold and silver coins. There's banknotes, um, which private banks issue the the Fed. I mean, not the Fed, the, the national bank issues, right? Notes, it's debt, you know, um, which they actually did in the civil, in the revolutionary war. They're called con- continentals is what they called them. And funny with that, and it, uh, those got inflated so bad that they were worth nothing. And so the saying, it's worth a continental, uh, started because it's not worth anything. <clears throat> and so you have... Solanos. Yeah. <laughs> and so you, you so you have the First National Bank. It's nothing... It, it's kind of... It's very much the child of what the bank is now, right? It, 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 it was limited in its scope. It didn't, it wasn't, didn't have, really have issuing power of currency, at least not the way it is today. Um... It gets rechartered um, in the early 1800s um, under a tense scrutiny, so it barely passes, I believe. I think it loses, and then a couple years later it passes again, and, and it gets its second charter. And then you have um, probably one of the most uh, you know badass presidents ever, Andrew Jackson, come in. I mean, this guy is you know he's like 60 something years old. Beats off one of his <laughs> beats off one of his uh, one of his uh, some guy trying to assassinate him, right? He doesn't care, right? So, and he hates the bank. <laughs> he hates the bank. First time on the podcast, man. Where's, where, where's, what are some other things you like about Andrew Jackson? <laughs> Andrew Jackson, um, you know, the guy did some questionable things, but I like his attitude. So you have, uh, you know, you, you have you, you have him, uh, you know, slaughtering a lot of Indians, which is kind of not what you like. But uh, you know, he basically one of his my favorite quotes of his is uh, John. I think it was John Jay, uh, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, said he couldn't go into Florida. Um, and he basically told the Supreme Court, I think the quote is, John Jay has made his uh, his verdict, now let's see him, you know, enforce it. And then he just goes to Florida anyway, which I like the attitude. You know, maybe, you know, what he did down there, maybe it was a little questionable. Um, that's another episode. Uh, I like that attitude, right? And so he took that attitude with the central bank, hated it. So it comes back up for charter. It passes, comes to him, and it actually splits part of his, his cabinet gets pretty split, basically, on what to do with it. <clears throat> gets a lot of flack, but just but he just closes it in 1832. So it still has his charter, but he just closes the National Bank because he's a boss, does what he wants to do. You got to respect Arnold, that. Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I do what I want. I'm studly. Exactly, right? Uh, I don't ask permission from my woman. <laughs> Unlike you. Weak man. Little man. <laughs> so he closes the bank. Okay. It comes back up for charter. He completely vetoes it. Yeah. Right? And so basically from 18, I think it's 1836 to 1863 in that range, there's no national bank. There's a lot of private state banks um, with state charters. There, there are still gold and silver coins are pretty prevalent. But yeah, you do have banknotes. And there is a problem of those banks defaulting, right? Bank runs, those sorts of things. Um, but I think that says more about banks than the fact that we need a central bank. But um, so you have that. It's kind of the Wild West, you know, literally and. Those banks would default if they loan out more than they have in reserve. Yeah, so if they can't pay their debts. Yeah. Because basically a bank note's a debt. Yeah. That's all it is. And so 
they default people lose money it's you know so you have this big argument going on they have trouble funding the mexican-american war sometimes you know it's, it's harder to do that if you can't just print money um and so uh fast forward to 1863 civil wars is is going on right some states have been seceded for a while now i think the first state was about 1860 <coughs> so they've been seceded for a while you have the civil war raging uh they're having trouble paying for the war it's a pretty costly war uh it's always costly to invade other countries yeah exactly when and you're giving up basically you you half your resources because you're fighting your the other half of your country right and so uh, Lincoln, uh, being the great socialist that he was, right, is, well, we're just going to, we need a, we need a currency, we need a bank, um, you know, because you see what they're doing in France and England, right? This is already, in, this is already old news in England, in, in Europe at this point. <laughs> um, so the National Bank Act, I think is 1863, uh, and he also institutes the comptroller of currency. What does that mean? Uh, so it's, it's just the guy who controls overseas currency and stuff like that creates greenbacks which is what we use today um i think it was like 450 million dollars worth at the time um of greenbacks to fund the war basically um and makes it law to where they have to be accepted no matter like so you, were those greenbacks backed by gold i don't think completely sorry i don't think completely um i'm not sure of the the like it, it's not like what we have today Okay. That's where the Fed comes in a couple years. Okay. So they're still viewed as kind of being worth nothing, right? You have, uh, it's not worth the ink, right? The greenback's not worth the ink it's printed on. I was just saying at the time. Because um, paper money, another Thomas Jefferson quote was like, paper money is poverty. It's the ghost of money. It's not real money. It's not anything. Um, so you have, so he issues it. Remember the, uh, we, uh, paper money was big. We were in some kind of conflict with Canada, uh, and was it was it that we had a we had a bunch of soldiers we couldn't um, we couldn't pay, and so we just gave them paper. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice problem solved. <laughs> well, that was easy. Come yeah. on, guys. <laughs> we just printed a solution. <laughs> it's not that hard. If you want to have a disgruntled populace, uh, have a bunch of soldiers in the populace that you owe money to, mm-hmm. and they just convince them that paper's fine exactly it's like you know it's like a miner you got your token to the to the store come on man we're paying you good yeah you just exactly. have to, you just yeah, have to yeah, buy yeah. it from us i mean come yeah, on yeah, yeah. um so use that to fund the war and of course uh uh unfortunately the north wins uh and so at, at this point there is still a bunch of private chartered banks currency basically state currencies you can kind of think of them he basically taxes those out of existence basically says we're going to put a tax on state currencies on private charter bank currencies but there's no tax on the fed currency on the federal currency there's no fed at this point yet um and so taxes all those out of existence which is always the best way to go if you're trying to get rid of something just tax the crap out of it so now we're now we do kind of have this one currency for the united states you still have gold and silver coins you still you know there's still a sense that you need to be backing this by something and he's already demonstrated at that point in taxing them out of existence that if they don't pay up, he'll, he's willing to kill them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, literally, he's willing to kill six hundred thousand Americans over his idea. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and the the, the his um, in the direction that the Republicans think the country needed to go at that time. Yeah, yeah. They were, it, you know, nothing was going to stop them in that and creating that more perfect. Disagree. This will kill you. Yeah. Exactly. Or you know, we're we're going to re- reconstruct you. Yeah. Um, and so you you. You have that, and so from that period, 
So you basically have the National Bank Act, and then you have basically the time period between that and the Fed becoming reality in 1913. Okay. You basically have... It's not a lot of time. It's not a lot of time. Yeah. Because the problem is, you, so you create a national bank, there's still other banks, right? But banks are doing what banks do, right? They're loaning out too much money. You're getting bank runs, right? People are like, whoa, well, shoot, they're loaning out so much money. Is my stuff still there? Right? Which is a good thing to think about. People crap on bank runs because it is a panic and it, is, uh, it does kind of destroy a lot of things. Um, but I think that's just the nature of banks. It's hard to think of a bank. Yeah, and you're entitled to your property. <clears throat> exactly, right? And so... Um, so you just naturally have this happening over and over again, creating crashes. Uh, and then you, you, so you have the government looking and saying, man, we got to do something right to stop these bank runs, which create these crashes. Um, and so night, you have Woodrow Wilson, uh, another great, great president. Uh, <laughs> you have Woodrow Wilson come in and they're, they're in the throes of, you, know, you got, I think there's so many bank runs up to this point in, in crashes. Um, thinking, okay, we got to do something different. Uh, he signs in the Fed into existence in 1913. And that was explicitly to try to mitigate issues with bank runs? That mm -hmm. was the reason? Yeah, so the reasoning is... So the, the, the thought process, from what I can tell, and like I said, this is a very complicated topic. There's a lot of number, you know, a lot of different things going on. That's why not a lot of people know about it. <clears throat> you basically says, well, these banks kind of suck, right? They're not very good at their job. They loan out too much money, and then people get scared and they go get their money yeah and then there's not it's not there it's literally not there um <clears throat> and so they come up with the fed basically saying hey all these other banks suck what if we just regulate them what if we just regulate we just have a big bank that regulates them right and we'll tell people hey you can trust us right we're the federal government we want your best interest we're here man. to help we're here to help man we're, we're, we're here to help we want to make sure they're doing the right thing you know that's and so they think man these, and it's altruistic yeah <laughs> you know it's you're welcome. Yeah. Virginia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. South Carolina, man. Yeah. Um, uh, so instead of saying, man, these banks, you know, maybe there's something different that we want to do instead of banks. This banking system kind of sucks. He's like, no, let's just do make super bank. Let's make big daddy bank. Yeah. yeah. Who's going to watch all these other little banks. I'm going to bank even harder now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, real banking's never been tried. A bigger bank. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and, so you have that. It's still you, the Federal Reserve is still con is still supposed to carry the gold. You still should be able to redeem. You know, the thought is you still can redeem your money for gold. Okay. So there's still that sense of there's a hard asset that needs to be there, right? Yeah. But I mean, you look at inflation, and you look at the charts. I think you, you know you've seen this. Yeah. Nineteen thirteen charted in durable trades. Yeah. So in in nineteen thirteen, you just see an explosion of prices. Inflation just runs out of control. And that's pretty normal. Right? That's because the Federal Reserve starts printing money or, or, or why? Because at the time, they're still supposedly backed by gold. So what causes that immediate response, yep. inflationary response? My understanding is just the free – so the, the basically you turn from this money – that money should be scarce to money should be everywhere. Right, because it's got to be everywhere yep. in order to prevent runs. Yeah, exactly, right? So money has to be everywhere, right? Yeah. So you can still – you know, uh, with that sort of thing, if, there's st if you're still not – you have that much power, you can still be responsible and just print money. Right. And all of a sudden a dollar's worth this amount of gold. Well now it's worth this amount of gold. Well now it's worth this amount of gold. So <clears throat> we have that much power concentrated, right? Why not just print more money? Right? So um that that's my understanding of it. Uh and so This chicken behind me is purring right now. <laughs> Who knew chickens purr, dude? Somebody listening knew that already, but I just discovered it. <laughs> so 
uh, you have the, the the Great Depression. Okay. Uh, which comes about because uh, you know stock market crash in nineteen twenty nine. Um, and another thing I think you can kind of quickly say about what central banks and that kind of inflationary policy does is it creates a lot of speculation. You have to speculate because your money is becoming less and less, so you speculate on a ton of things. Yeah, what is speculation? So you're saying, this thing isn't worth this much right now, but I think it's going to be worth that much tomorrow. I think, right? Like, our stock market today is trading at, like, 36 times earnings, right? I think I, I heard Netflix, if Netflix traded at 1% of its current value, it would still be overvalued based off of, or based off of the money it brings in. So we're, we're kind of talking about, like, whatever... Whatever the stock value of Uber is, it's really trading on the idea of profitability because Uber is not profitable. Exactly, Uber's okay. never had a profitable year. Okay, right. And that's speculation. Yeah, and so there, there is a, there is an equation to figure out a, the true value of a stock, right? Um, so you have the PE ratio, which is price over earnings, right? Um, <clears throat> so you have a couple different ways of of seeing what a stock is actually worth. Like the thirty six times number is based off of price to earnings ratio. Hey, what's the difference between a stock and a stonk? Uh, stonks are more fun, and <laughs> you get to talk about it with the boys, and you just get super rich off that GameStop. Nice. GameStop stock, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Because um, who wants to invest in freaking Coca Cola, dude? They hate whites. That's so boring. You know, it's based on GameStop. It's fun. Yeah. They, AMC, baby. Yeah, nobody's making money anyway. We might as well make money off the fact <laughs> that we're making money. Um, uh, you know, stonks play the bankers and the institutions, stocks play the game with them. Uh-huh. So that's another way of thinking about it. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, Be the player, not the played. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Great Depression, 1929. Again, the government's like, this can't be our fault. You know, you have FDR, right? So wonderful FDR. Yeah, one of the greatest presidents. Of all time. Saved America. Yep. Thank you for the new deal. Yep. It's so new. Very much a great deal. And... Um, <laughs> the greatest deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, they're looking around and saying, no, this can't be our fault. You know, this, there's just clearly not enough regulation in the market. There's clearly not enough regulation. There's clearly not, a, there's not enough regulation. There's not enough money. That's the problem, right? So we need more money and we need more regulation. Now, why so, did they think, why did they think that? I think, I think the idea, I think honestly it comes from an arrogance. Like, so you, you could either at any point in this, you could say, man, these banks just don't work. Right, um, or you can say let's just bank harder. That's basically the idea. Let's give people, and so then you get. I think it's nineteen. I don't know the dates. You know, my history teacher said you don't have to worry about the exact dates. So, um, <laughs> I think it's like nineteen thirty-three, somewhere in there. I think it's called the Glass-Segal Act. Um, FDR signs into law. Um, you remember this from from high school? No, but oh, okay. I, I, I was <laughs> like, "Dang, dude, my god!" Point that I was I wasn't taught that I had. My guy's a king. <laughs> my guy's a king. He still remembers the names of acts from high school. No man, I just got a high speed internet and you know, I stayed up to like one a.m. and I, that's, I'm instantly an expert. Other guys are wa- watching like llama videos. Kids getting hurt. Yeah, I'm reading about stonks and the glass of golf. <laughs> um, so I'm like ninety nine percent sure. Uh, that was the name of the act. But either way, basically, it created the FDIC, which is what um, ensures all of our... Uh, you're still having some bank runs at this time, by the way. There's still bank runs. People still don't trust banks. Um, so how do we get them to trust banks? You have FDIC. Um, so 
let me back a little bit. You need to get people to trust banks. That's what you need. Not do bank runs. They need to trust them. How do we trust them? We give them a false sense of security. What's the best way to have false sense of security? Insurance. Insurance. Yes. <laughs> They're like, dude, this is so easy. We print the money anyway. Whatever. And, and we'll call it insured. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you say FDIC. Drive whatever you want. You're insured, exactly. dude. <laughs> Destroy that car. Limited liability, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I hate liability. I don't want any more of it. <laughs> I'd like to limit it, please. <laughs> limit the liability for my actions. Yep. So that act, it brings in the FDIC, which says they'll insure, they insure all deposits, I think at the time, it's either 2000 or 20000 I don't know. Now it's like $200,000 per person, per deposit, like per bank account. Um, we'll say we're insured up to this amount of money, right? So, and so now... These people have a false sense of security um, in the sense that like, oh, the, you know, big bank, big daddy bank, the Fed is going to insure my bank. Who cares if my bank sucks? Yeah. Who cares if they're loaning it out to people who don't deserve it, who can't pay it back? Who cares if, you know, all those different things, which also regulates the crap out of banks some more, right? Saying you need this amount of, you need this percentage of holdings, which is arguably pretty arbitrary. It's, I think now it's like 10%, which I don't even, and I think now you don't even have to have 10% holdings of what you actually are supposed to have. Um, <clears throat> so, because why would it matter? It's just, it's just a yeah, number on a screen. Yeah, you have access to the printer. So if you lose two hundred thousand dollars, we'll just print more, bro. Yeah, it'll take like ten seconds. Come on. Yeah, uh, it's a huge printer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, pals up there just cranking it. Um, anyway, so uh, we're gonna insure Janet yelling on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> they take turns. Okay, you got a lot. Of, it's a lot of money. Uh, trillion is a lot of money. Uh, ben Bernanke. Who's that? Uh, he was the guy in charge of the Fed under Bush. Gotcha. Ben Bernanke. I don't know why I remember his name. You I can't think. trust that name. Yeah, dude. You can't trust that name. <laughs> ben yeah. Bert, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, oh, man. So you got the FDIC. We still use it today. Credit unions have a different version of the same exact thing. Um, the Fed's got your back. Don't Credit worry. union also insured by the government or privately insured? Uh, I'm it's insured by the government. Okay. There's no way you can't insure that much money that easily. Yeah. I think I think it's just a, a separate like entity within the government. Okay. I think that's gonna be. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Um, so if FDIC insured now, nobody will open a bank account unless it's FDIC insured, right? It's like, hey, I'm not gonna. That's stupid. The government's got me. He's <laughs> uh, like, it's like it's. It, I trust it, them. It, yeah. <laughs> what? If, where have they? When have they ever done anything to make me not trust them? Exactly. We can. Count it's not with- like they're literally just devaluing the currency while it uh, supposedly sits there safely in the account. It's not mm-hmm. like they're taking the money from me. It's not like they can, they can take money out of my account whenever they want, just like they can put it in with a stimulus. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I'm chilling. I got FDI. I got the the Fed. Yep. Backing me up on my cash. The banks don't give a crap. So they're FDIC's prior to going off the gold standard. So basically, the Glass of Gold Act. Uh, I, I don't think it was, I, it might've been, I think it's an executive order kind of from that stemmed out of the glass of gall act. We kind of gave them the right to this. Thank you, Lincoln. Yeah. And so you have an executive order basically saying everybody has to turn in their gold. Right. Which effectively, so it's basically like a gold buyback. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a gold buyback. Why would, why would anybody do that? Uh, it's uh, compulsory. What, what, why, what are, why what did people put do? masks on? I don't yeah. know. So. A lot of people, so the, you have to give up your gold. I'm sure some people kept it, right? It's hard to track. So 
they get all the gold and uh um, so now you so now <clears throat> you effectively you're effectively off the gold standard you i think you can technically still turn it in redeem it for gold at some point in the future after this um of course you, you have world war ii going on so you can pretty much shoot whatever you want under the guise that it's world war ii it's a good fight you gotta spend money which you know that's, patriot act we gotta protect ourselves <laughs> from terrorists yeah. so um that we this did, wasn't a big CIA operation <laughs> from the beginning. It wasn't my plan. <laughs> I didn't even know it was happening. <laughs> I just said it might have been a good idea to kidnap. Have you Michigan ever thought government. about it? Have you ever thought about it? I didn't say do it. I just said, have you thought about it? It'd be kind of interesting <laughs> if you did do it. If we could pull it off, that'd be sick. Yeah. I mean, what if we could do something that would result in us being able to just, like, get all the information on every citizen all the time because we want to keep them safe? Yeah. That'd be convenient. Mm -hmm. Exactly, the same idea. Yeah. Want to keep I mean, your the Cold safe. War is over. What excuse are we going to have now? <laughs> I know. Let's just invade Afghanistan. That's always worked. <laughs> That'll give us at least 20 years yeah. of excuse. We'll figure it out after that. We'll, we'll mm -hmm. start a war with China then. Mm -hmm. When we get bored with Dude, Afghanistan. Wars are so easy to start. Yeah. You don't even realize. <laughs> you literally just have to like, spit at some dignitary, and then boom, war. Mm -hmm. Steal a princess, war. Mm -hmm. Say Jing looks like, uh, you know. Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. War. <laughs> Pay South Park to kill him in a South Park episode. War. War. Super <laughs> easy. I guess it'll work right now. By yeah, myself. give me a scenario. I'll give you a war. <laughs> uh, so now... And if you don't fight it, you're an unpatriotic little dipwad, yeah. all right? You're a hippie. <laughs> Stop being a hippie, bro. <laughs> yeah, just get conscripted and say thank you. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, you have, you, so you have the New Deal, and the New Deal is expensive too, right? So you got to print a lot of money for that. It, this hen just came up to try to see if she could eat my ash. <laughs> she couldn't eat my ash. It, I, I've never seen them go off of something that quick. <laughs> I've seen them eat their own poop and stick on it longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the New Deal is very expensive, right? So they got to print a lot of money. Um, you know, in your history class, uh, typically FDR is going to be praised for that. Um, so you basically get a big shift in in how uh, government policy is done, right? You, we really get the beginning of the welfare kind of state, right? We at least have the framework to build it, right? We got the- we Oh, got the New Deal was huge in establishing wealth. I mean, LBGA took it to new heights, but- Exactly. That, yeah. So now you, now you have a framework which gets you unlimited cash, right? <clears throat> you don't need to actually collect the money from people, right? That, because that's hard, no matter what. You can, it's pretty easy to make a tax, but you have to collect the money and their money actually has to be there. But if we can print the money, it's always there. We, we really tax out of convenience, not out of necessity. Exactly. <laughs> it's more of the idea. We want people to remember that we can tax them. Mm -hmm. so, yes, we could just print that tax. <laughs> the dollar's devalued anyway. Yep. Uh, and so, <clears throat> and so, you, so you have the framework with the New Deal. You have, now you have full control of the printing press, basically, right? You're, you're basically off the gold standard, effectively off the gold standard. Um, and so now, now you, you've got the stage for unlimited welfare, you know, as much as you want. Literally, you know, you know today, Jerome Powell and all this, they'll, they'll literally, they'll, yeah, there's interviews of them. It's like, yeah, we can print as much as we want. Just blatantly saying, yeah, we can do as much as we want. It, it can never stop. Um, <clears throat> so then you get things like LBJ, you know, the war on poverty. That is, we're able to do that because of things like the Fed. It's, that's, so why would, why would the Chicago School of Economics in any way defend the validity of the Federal Reserve? Because that's my understanding of the big difference between the Chicago school and mm -hmm. the Austrian school, is their view on the Fed. So <clears throat> what, what is, what's the Chicago argument in favor of a Fed? Yeah, 
So basically, you get, uh, I believe it's called Keynesian economics, which is basically right. So is that Keynesian? I don't know. I've heard, okay. it, I've heard it Keynesian. Oh, well, let's go with it. Yeah. Um, and basically, to, Keynesian economics is based off of debt and spending. Yeah, listener, if you've got a problem with that pronunciation, say it to my face, all right? <laughs> I'll say it to my face! Yeah. So <laughs> 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 you have Keynesian economics, which is based that, basically, you base your economy off of spending, the velocity of money, debt. Right, which is why now it's like, hey, if you get money, it's best uh, technically. So in this economy, it's best you just go spend your money as soon as you get it. Well, yeah, you're you know, incentivized so to do it. If I, if I, you know, I not if I have a company, we sometimes make money because mm -hmm. sometimes we get jobs. Every once in a while, that money goes into into the bank. With the the rate at which that money, as meaningless as it is, becomes more meaningless. Right, you know, mm -hmm. the federal government just giving money away like. You know, it's a pinch or a nuzzle from Joe Biden, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I am incentivized directly to not have savings mm -hmm. in my account. It's stupid business practice for me to have a big savings account as a company. Exactly. I need to be buying assets. Otherwise, I'm losing money. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the, and you basically you create you create a populace, a culture around impatience because you're incentivized to be impatient. You're incentivized to go out and buy that new car right now. Because you wait, can't afford it financing. You can't. You can't afford it. You, you nobody can afford it, right? If you can't afford it, I've got very like uh, I've got responsible big baller friends. Mm -hmm. uh, you wouldn't know them, but I, I've got some yeah. responsible big baller friends uh, who have been very successful in life. They are not irresponsible. They're you know, they're the the guys you look at and you're like, okay, this guy's made it in life. Mm -hmm. Let me get advice from him, and and they'll tell me, Christian guys, conservative, they'll tell me, yeah, it doesn't matter if you can afford that car because. It's just the system. Mm -hmm. You have to. You can't just live as if the system doesn't exist. You have to leverage the system to your benefit. Now, a mm -hmm. lot of people can't do that, and so they get mm -hmm. subsumed in credit card debt and, and financing debt or whatever. But th these guys have found a way to leverage it to their mm -hmm. benefit because it's all just silliness. Yep, exactly. And so, you're, so now you're, you're incentivized not to keep the money in your bank account. You're incentivized not to be patient and say, like, no, this company needs to earn my money. They need to give me a car that's going to be legit. That's going to that's going to last for years. That's going to do exactly what I want it to do. They don't need to do that. They just need to give you something to spend your money on. Yeah, that's it. And it's got to be a little bit cooler next time. Yep. Right. And so Keynesian economics is basically. I don't need to match Allison transmissions. I just need to put a new gadget in. Exactly. Because who cares? I need a backup camera because yeah. I don't know how to back up. Um, which has. No, I just want a Cummins diesel <laughs> with an Allison transmission. Is that so hard? <laughs> don't give me any electronics. All right, I don't need. Don't even give me. You know, a speedometer. ABS. Yeah, <laughs> I don't need a speedometer. I drive how I want. All right, I'll just crank the wheel harder. All right, I just want a Cummins diesel with an Allison transmission. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> basically, you'll get guys who are you know big fans of Keynesian and be like, oh, you know, you don't, you're not understanding what it's all about. You know, you don't understand the ins and outs. It's like, okay, well, I can look at it, and you know, I can see what it's basically about. It's basically about debt and spending. That's the idea. Yeah, I don't need a PhD to spell yeah. bullshit. Yeah, so it's like, oh, okay, you can sit here and tell me what you know. Well, there's interest rates, there's a velocity of money, there's this, and it's like, okay, that's cool, but what is it? It's debt and spending. That was what our economy is based on. Instead of saving and producing. It's, yeah, saving which and is producing. Biblical economics. Exactly right. Producing actual wealth. Eighth, eighth commandment, you might say. Yeah, one of those ten. You know, is that the one that do we still follow that one, or is that one null? Oh, uh, it's probably null. Yeah. it's the New Testament. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> I mean, goodness, it, it's at least not in the first table because that's totally relevant. Yeah, <laughs> thank goodness. Um, and you can't take Sabbath off because you always got to be spending and making money. So, exactly, can't afford it. Yep. Yeah. So, 
that, that's why you do it. And there's also the convenience factor. It's pretty convenient. Um, uh, is there like a time? Well, we have to go to church. Oh. So, I think we got last five minutes. Yep. So, uh, give me a good, some wrap-up statements mm-hmm. on the history of banking. Mm-hmm. And then give me a teaser, okay? And the teaser is, what does cryptocurrency have to do what does responsible responsible cryptocurrency yeah. potentially have to do with fixing banking issues? Yep. So we haven't talked about cryptocurrency on this podcast because other podcasts that are kind of in our genre are boring and they all just do the same topics all the time. And we're not like that at Stone Mountain Media, right? So we're not going to just parrot what everyone else is doing because everyone else is doing it. Uh, we respect our listeners more, and honestly, that stuff's boring to us, and we respect ourselves mm-hmm. more than being boring. But we'll eventually get to cryptocurrency because I think it is relevant to the history of banking and potential mm-hmm. solutions to banking. So, summarize, conclude, yep. and then tease. Yep. So, you are a tease. I am the greatest tease. <laughs> um, they, so, to kind of summarize, uh, so everything I just said, okay, now just times that by 10, and that's the rest of the history. We're in it. Yeah. I'll leave you with this. The last, I believe it's 70, it's, it's between 70, 90%. I, I want to say 90, uh, but I can't give the exact one, so I'll give a range so people don't get, you know, oh, it's actually 80. Um, so 80, 70 to 90% of the, all the currency in circulation right now was printed since 2009, right? Say that again. So 70 to 90%, I'm pretty sure it's 90, uh, but I'll give myself a little range, has been printed since 2009. And what does that very practically mean for us? <laughs> it means there is so much money in the economy and you're going to see prices, you're going to see home values like I think went up 24% since last year, right? So unless you got a 24% raise, um, you are worse off than you were a year ago. And in the last year, right, with COVID and all those things, 40% of all the money in circulation was printed last year, right? Say that again. 40% of all money in circulation was printed last year. All right. So we are in what's called a quantitative easing, like inflation spiral. They have to quantitative ease, which is basically just, I got to flood. I got to put more money in the market to save the market is the idea. And when you get in that. Too big to fail, baby. Yeah, exactly. Right. So <laughs> I am too big to fail. <laughs> so that's where we're at right now. Central banks have unlimited power essentially. The Fed has, has unlimited power. We didn't get to talk about something called the World Bank, right? But that's Woodrow Wilson's, like, you know, best friend right there. He didn't, he didn't, he was dead when it came about in the 40s, but that's, you know. League of Nations, baby. Exactly, right? So that's the logical end of the bank plus League of Nations. Right, so basically unlimited power. They can control your energy. They can control your wealth. And they it, can control you. Yeah, it, exactly. Exactly. They can make you wear a mask. Is it really worth being free if they take your life? <clears throat> Patrick Henry doesn't think so. Um, so that's what you, that's where we were at right now. We are at a point where it's spiraling out of control. The logical ends of what Hamilton started is basically coming into maturity. Uh, and I think up until now, there hasn't been... I mean, there's solutions, but I think something that's viable, something that could potentially be how we get out of this thing and how we get out of it not completely destroyed. Because when a currency dies, a country will devolve down. It, it'll just be when you when you cannot make money, when you cannot preserve your energy to buy things, to, to get the things that you need for your family, I think bad things are going to happen. So that's where we're at right now. And I think there's something that has the potential to provide a solution to that. Um, that hasn't been there since, you know, it's in relative, it's new, it's brand new. Um, will it become that? Only time will tell, but I think it's, has the potential. We got some guests. 
it ha it has the potential to be that and it's something that it's definitely worth knowing about it's worth looking into it's worth at least knowing what's going on little teaser so that's a brief overview of the history of banking uh more more to come for sure this matters because again uh especially if you're a man god requires you to produce and we're talking about your ability to produce wealth for yourself and others uh and you know and, and a context in which your government is without making it obvious it is making it objectively not possible to produce wealth real wealth for yourself and others um and the government is not your friend not here to help you at least our government is not your friend or here to help you you are its enemy because you're white. And with that, this has been another episode of Stone Mountain Media. Good luck. Even better than that, go with God.